Broadcasting straight from Big Rock Candy Mountain. I'm Zachary Lehman. I'm Taylor Berryman. How can people find you, Taylor? You can find me on Instagram as the underscore Poptimist, as well as Facebook, just my name, and also Twitter as the Poptimist. You can find me on Twitter at Writing Lehman and just Zachary Lehman on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, buy my novel, Nye, N-I-G-H, Amazon.com. So uh, this week's episode is a little different. It's a first for us, our first uh, first Man of Science, Man of Faith interview. Yes, with Dallas Sonye. None other than Dallas Sonye, who's produced, he produced Run, Hide, Fight, which we talked about recently. We both very much liked it, but we're also fans of his other work. He's also produced Bone Tomahawk, Brawl in Cell Block 99, uh, a lot of Steve Austin movies, Stone Cold Steve Austin, which we get into. Uh, yeah, we we love this guy. Go back and check out the episode that we did on Run, Hide, Fight. I think it was maybe episode 13 or 14. Yeah, it's it's titled Run, Hide, Fight. So go listen to that and watch the movie. You can find the movie on dailywire.com. Uh, their streaming service is totally worth signing up for just to see the movie. Plus, there's a great interview with uh, with Dallas that uh, Ben Shapiro did. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a great Q&A with not only Dallas, but Kyle Rankin, who uh, wrote and directed the film. Uh, that's on there too. Uh, check all of it out. So yeah, we talked to Dallas and we got into everything, not just run, hide, fight. We talked about him putting everything on the line for uh, Bone Tomahawk. That's an, a crazy story. I mean, he put his entire life on the line to get that film made. And uh, we talked to him about his beginnings in in Hollywood, how he became a producer. We talk a little bit about the political biases that are that are in Hollywood right now. His his future as a producer, what he's trying to accomplish with his. His company, uh, which is Bonfire Legend now, go follow them on uh, Instagram, Twitter, they're everywhere. Now, we are now recording. Good. Uh First thing I, I want to ask you about, we saw some news last night. We actually saw this news while we were watching a Cinestate movie you produced. We were, I was showing uh, Taylor Brawl and Cell Block 99 for the first time. One of my favorite oh, yeah. fucking movies. So good. Uh, but we saw some news that kind of relates to, you know, some of the things you've talked about with, uh, with Ben Shapiro and other people. Uh, did you see that Gina Carano was fired from The Mandalorian? Would it not surprise you? If I told you that I've spent all morning on the phone with her remaining team members working oh on God. how we're going to get her into a, a, a bonfire legend movie. You're a genius. You're Fuck a genius. Yeah. Awesome. You're a genius. I shouldn't have even asked the question. I should have already known. You're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> as I as I as I love to say. Does a deer shit in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's it's just crazy to see. That I, I don't know why it shocks me. I don't know why I let this stuff shock me anymore. But to see the way she's treated over these nothing social media posts, it's this it's like the only ethical standard Hollywood has is we're against conservatives. Fuck everything else. You can know what Harvey Weinstein did. You can you can get away with all this stuff. But if you even maybe voted for a Republican, they take a stand against you. It's the only moral stand Hollywood takes today. Well, it's not even. Not only that, not only maybe voting for a Republican, but just not voting for the Democrat. Yeah. Just not being well, liberal today is enough for Hollywood to go. You're a bad person. 
Well, I mean, look, look, look how they treated Van Jones the other day on The View. Not, not that, not that oh, you yeah. guys are, are watching The View. Unfortunately, um, I do sometimes with my job. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I suffered through that interview. He's actually just a fan. He's too embarrassed to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, yeah, they, they turned on him. Because he, he's yeah, they, 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 they did. And, and there, and look, it, it, there's, there's been some great articles about this. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't live in, in misery. I don't live my life in misery. Uh, I, my family is really happy. I have a happy life. I love what I do. Even when I get attacked, I, I, I still am just simply happier than the people attacking me. And so they can never win. They can never win. Uh, I'll never stop. And uh, in fact, all they're doing, it's like the scene in, in, in Star Wars. It's like, Darth, you can't win. You know, Obi-Wan's just going to become stronger. I mean, that, that's, that's what's happening here. So I'm, 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 I'm enjoying the ride. I'm using all of the, uh, you know, the, the sort of uh, attacks and, and, you know, libelous, you know, statements and everything that comes my way or comes, comes the way of our movies I, I just I, I just use them as a badge of honor and 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 trudge forward, keep going. Well, that's the the best mindset to have about it. Um, and obviously, this movie right now, uh, you obviously know we both really really loved it. But uh, I wanted to ask because I, I had heard about this movie a while back. I, I think it was supposed to come out under the Rebeller banner way back in the day, and I know you premiered at Venice. And I'm curious what the response to the movie was there, because if I remember an interview correctly, you were saying you were having trouble finding distributors. So what was the response when you first premiered this movie? Was it a positive response when people were just kind of like, I, I don't want to get involved in a movie about school shootings? Well, so keep in mind, I've made a lot of distributors a lot of money, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Bone Tomahawk and 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 beyond and they've always given me a fair shake financially for the movie uh we 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 call them mgs which is a minimum guarantee which basically means if i go make the movie for two million dollars you know i know that they're going to buy it for you know two and a half million so that so that there there's there's a there's a financial uh you know reason to make the movie at that point mm -hmm. um in the case of run hide fight it was the first time that the companies said no to me and and that, and that was telling now a lot of it has to do with the corporate culture uh, of these companies they're getting bigger they're getting you know more corporate and that just means they're they're more insecure with doing anything that's that's deemed dangerous right. um, so that's really the big problem but but also they were truly freaked out by the subject material and not because they thought it was going to be scary as a movie, but but they didn't want to be in the line of fire with me. And I and I right. respect that. I understand they've got mortgages to pay and kids in private school. I, I understand. Uh, you know, as a free market uh, capitalist, I, I, I they're a private company and they have the right to to protect themselves. So that's that's the way it goes. So, but uh, they would call me and they would say, "Dude." This is the best movie I've seen all year. Uh, oh that's my god! You, yep. you killed it! You killed it! But we can't release it, obviously. Uh, and I would say, "Wow, that's a bummer." And um, so then I was really looking to try to figure out what to do with the movie and how to salvage the situation. We'd gone to Venice, did our best there. Critics destroyed us, which you know is telling. 
and so I, I ended up calling Ben Shapiro and saying, Hey man, you should, you should be the distributor of this movie. And, um, he said, well, funny, funny you uh, mentioned that we're, we're, we're looking to get into movies. And so it was the perfect time. And we got together, we made a deal and, uh, they released a movie. I gotta say it was a blast. It was an absolute blast, a huge success. And I'm thrilled. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, it ended up being a happy ending because of those circumstances. Cause it seems like it's found a big audience through uh, daily wire. Yes. Well, I'll put it, I'll put it, I'll put it this way. 300,000 people watched it opening night and we're in, in a matter of weeks, we're in the millions. We're in the millions. That's great. To to put that into perspective, um, I think brawl and cell block 99 made $9,000 in theaters. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and brawl and cell block 99 is, is, is a brilliant movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, but just, it, 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 it's so hard to reach an audience right now. And when you make something really specific uh, and the critics aren't supportive of it, you have to reach your audience in a different manner. And so the daily wire and, you know, Ben himself uh, getting behind the movie in such a big way, uh, we were able to connect to the audience that was going to love this movie from the start. And ultimately it's a it's disappointing that half the world will never see the movie because they're too politically uptight but that's a that's a uh you know an offset i was willing to take so we 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 got seen by millions of people maybe more than other movies i've made it just happens to be a center right audience which is ultimately fine with me well and uh, i was going to ask you about the, the film going to daily wire mm-hmm. Was there any, I've seen the younger actors, they've been doing interviews on Daily Wire, so it doesn't seem to really bug them, but was there any sort of pushback from people involved in the film, any actors, once they saw that the film was sort of branded conservative just because it was going to the streaming service? Well, I would say, uh, I would say that um, the older actors, you know, specifically Thomas and Rada mm. uh, and Treat, um, they were so supportive of me. They knew the situation I was in. They knew uh, that I did what I had to do to make the, the best version of the movie possible in terms of the release. Um, you know, there was uh, opportunities um, for the release that just weren't healthy financially for us with the movie. And, um, you know, we, 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 we got a great deal from the Daily Wire and ultimately reached the widest audience. So, Everyone was really supportive, um, mm-hmm. but once it went to the Daily Wire, it was harder for the traditional outlets, the traditional press outlets, to really sort of wrap their head around uh, the movie and the situation. So it wasn't as if Thomas Arata or Treat or anyone was you know, eschewing promotion on the movie. There mm-hmm. just wasn't traditional opportunities to promote the movie, you know collider.com was not going to do an interview with us on this movie yeah Yeah. uh in fact they declined uh they all declined um and and that's just the world we live in right now so um the thing that matters the most to me is that the actors love the movie and they support me and that we're friends Mm -hmm. and that we made a great movie and and not whether you know they were able to go on jimmy kimmel well and that in and of itself the the press's treatment of the film shows the inherent bias in not just Hollywood, but the sort of uh, entertainment news culture, because it 
I, I don't see what the problem is. It, you know, if they go uh, Daily Wire starting starting a streaming service, everybody and their cousin starting a streaming service. Who cares that it's Daily Wire? But to them, it suddenly means, oh, conservative, this isn't real art. It's like it's still art. It, it doesn't matter just because you subscribe to Daily Wire. It doesn't say anything about who you are as a human being. You're just trying to maybe you just subscribe because you want to watch Run, Hide, Fight. Well, it's everything is political now. So yeah. and it's only going to get worse. Uh, uh, mark my words, where you go shop for groceries uh, is going to be a political decision where you get gas, the car you drive, the shoes you wear. We're, we're almost there. Yeah, we're, we're flirting with that world right now. I, I, I mean, I, I haven't I haven't purchased an, an, an item of Nike clothes or shoes in five years, you know, mm. so we're getting there. Um but uh, it's going to get worse. And and so and so when government is religion to uh, half of the world, then you you just don't have a willingness to come together. And, uh, you know, for all the talk of unity is, you know, it's a, it's a giant sham. Uh, yeah. It's not unity. It's 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 obey. And uh, the good news is half the country won't obey. So. This is going to be a wild ride. I mean, we've we've lived. Our country has gone through uh, worse moments in its history, but this one's a bad one, and it, and it, and it's going to get worse. Um, and it's and and you know it was interesting. Like uh, holidays, especially Thanksgiving, you're just seeing attendance straight down party lines, whether the mm-hmm. whether the person showed up or not. So I think when it comes to to people's response to COVID response to movies response to uh business culture politics it's all political now and that's the world we live in now i i tend to be a center-right conservative libertarian somewhere in that mess i don't really fit perfectly into a box because i've got a an anarchist streak to me that (laughs) um you know (laughs) i love low-budget horror films and you know I, I respect the Serbian film. So like, I, you know, I don't really fit in the typical conservative box. Uh, but, but, but the truth is, is that um, my interests in art are very different than my fiscal and political interests. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit of a unicorn in that sense, but I think it's a fun way to be. Um, and I think you guys are pretty similar uh, in some respects to that in the way that you see movies. It's like, is the movie great? Awesome. Who made it? Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, How'd they vote? I don't give a shit. Well, that's what I liked about uh, what you were doing at Cinestate and, you know, all those movies. I mean, Stand Up as Barrow Creek, uh, Brawl and Subblock 99, Bone Tomahawk, all those films, because it was just hearkening back to an age when who gives a shit about politics? Their who movies gives a first. shit about agendas? It's that sort of 70s cinema where it's like, let's just dive into character and story and sort of the dark corners of the world instead of getting wrapped up in what's this, what's the agenda of the moment? Let's push that. And then that's the driving force of the film. So that's what I respect about it. Um, Well, and I think what's cool about the seventies movies is while, you know, there that you could argue for days uh, on, on the politics of the late sixties, early seventies movies. The truth is, is that they were pretty savvy about it. Exactly. I mean, even the most even the most political movies, uh, you know, Easy Rider, I, I would say being up there, uh, you know, in terms of culture and things like that, you know, they're savvy. I mean, people on all sides of the fence love those movies. 
And that's a real shame as to where we are in the culture now with that's just not possible right now. It's just not. So we're, we're going to be very tribal. We're going to go into our corners. We're not going to get along and it's going to be a rough ride. And um, it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this way. This is, this is bad for art. It's bad for our citizenship. Uh, there is no unity. What are they, what are they even, you know, what are they even talking about? Um, and it, it, it's going to be rough, but uh, I can't try and exist. I can't try to get along with people who don't want to get along with me or who are so freaked out by my personal politics that they're going to attack me uh, in public to try and destroy my business or uh, discredit me or whatever. It's, it's, it's bullshit. And I, 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 I realized very early on that I was never going to get a fair shake. And by the way, you go back into my career. I mean, I was the best assistant at UTA back in the day when I was working there, busted my ass. I discovered Shane Carruth. I discovered Neil Blomkamp. I brought him in. They passed on both of them. Oh. didn't really get, they didn't really understand them. Um, and like five or six other examples like that. And then I moved on to becoming a, a manager. I ended up, uh, helping, you know, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of different clients like Wesley Snipes and Jeff Bridges and Justin Timberlake from my boss at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he did me, he did me dirty and I had to go and start my own company in the back office, the back storage closet of the LA Inc. tattoo parlor. Uh, and, and I, and I had all these young clients, Greta Gerwig, Leslie Headland, uh, you know, Leslie Headland has Russian doll and she's doing a star Wars movie. Jessica Goldberg, who wrote Cherry, which is coming out in two weeks. Um, uh, Jenny Lumet, who's got Clarice coming out and wrote Rachel Getting Married. Um, you know, all these fancy people. But I also had Stone Cold Steve Austin as a client. Nice. That's, that's right. That's and, how you uh, started producing, right, with him? You did a few uh, Stone Cold Steve yep. Austin movies? My, uh, my business partner at the time... Uh, was was you know, i was the deal maker and he was the physical producer in, in a way we we certainly did it all in tandem um but we were up in vancouver so long that the joke he would tell is that the the pizza delivery guy noticed that we moved apartments because <laughs> we were up there so long uh so we made we made nine stone cold steve austin movies in about four and a half five years what a, and, way to start um, a career <laughs> and it was great. And, you know, we were, yeah, I mean, look, young guys. I love him. I love him. Yeah. Young guys making six figures a movie. It was awesome. And, um, yeah. you know, some of them are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a movie called The Package. There's one called Damage. I, I recommend these movies. I like them. Dallas, let there's, me tell you something. I have seen some... all of these movies. <laughs> well, uh, then, you know, I then, love you know, them. the net, then, you know, the next sentence is true. Which is some of them are doozies. <laughs> well, but still entertaining in their own way. <laughs> the one, the one where the one called Knockout, where we had Steve as the Miyagi yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh, that one. That one was probably the the the, the valley of, of my movie producing career. But um, but but they were they were really fun, and you know we we did a lot of great work. We learned how to make movies, and so you know I, I have never received any help from 
the system, big Hollywood. Never. Mm-hmm. I've never had I've never had any respect. Uh, I'm like Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield. I get no respect. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so and so I just I just had to move on emotionally mm-hmm. and realize it was never coming. The uh, the the you know, the help was never coming. And so I was on my own. And in a way, uh, that's better. That's better, right? Yeah. I'd rather be Roger Corman. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather be Roger Corman than whoever is running Warner Brothers for the next five years. No one will remember. Absolutely. Well, you you're touching on kind of your your beginnings as a producer. That's one thing I wanted to ask you. I know you worked in a lot of capacities in Hollywood. When you first got into the business, was producer the ultimate goal? Is that what you wanted to do, or did it? take sort of some steps into your journey before you went, okay, I think I'm going to be a producer. I was dead set on being a producer from okay. when I was a, when I was a teenager, I went to USC film school, uh, ended up working with the business school to help start a coordinated joint major between the film school and the business school. And I was the first kid to graduate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a really awesome time. But what happened was uh, I was introduced to the world of agencies and, you know, the big ones are CAA, ICM, William Morris at the time, Endeavor at the time. Now those two are merged. And then a, a company called UTA. And I met an agent named Tracy Jacobs who represented Johnny Depp for the first 20 years of his career, maybe more. And she was just fabulous and amazing and worked her butt off. Um, and I really connected with that concept. And so I realized that I could probably make a bigger impact quicker if I became an agent or conversely a manager, which is ultimately the same thing, but a manager can produce. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, for anyone who's seen Entourage, I tried to be Jeremy Piven and ended up as E. Uh, but, 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 but it was a great run and I was really good at it. And, um, I I broke a lot of clients and, uh, helped start a lot of careers. You know, obviously Greta's a big one. Um, but, uh, but, 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 but it was a blast. So then I just, I, I, when, when I lost my parents, uh, which is a very sad story, I didn't want to, I didn't have the mindset to be sort of at the mercy of the client's whims. And I, and I say this, I loved my clients. I loved them. I, I was so enamored with them as artists and things like that, but I couldn't take the emotional drain of the Friday night phone calls. My, they're not letting my dog on the plane. I ran out of prescription medicine. Can you get me a refill? Like all of that stuff. My hotel room's not big enough. It smells like French fries, mm-hmm. like whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to get into producing. And so I had to shut down the management company. And at the same time, I really wanted to raise my family in Texas. So I moved the family uh, out of LA, sold my house to Kylie Jenner of all the people in the world. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, don't, 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 don't think it was, I, I was, uh, I was her starter home. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, but, but I got out of LA and came back to Texas and it's been a great run. I mean, obviously, you know, Cinestate, um, it, its heart was always in the right place to try and, you know, make movies for, for all types of people. 
Um, and, and, and not that Bonfire is anything less than that, but as a brand, Cinestate was trying to bring both sides together and it, it just ultimately, the market didn't want that. And the people who worked there didn't want that. Um, and that's what I sort of talked about a little earlier when I said everything's political. It just is now, even your friendships, your relationships, your family, the family members you talk to, everything's political now. So um, I got into producing because I wanted to uh, control my own destiny. I wanted to be the master of my own domain. And I wanted to, to make movies that no one else could get made. And that's kind of become my brand. Well, speaking of, because you, you really do make movies that no one else is making right now. Dangerous movies. Um, yeah. And I mean, the, the one that really kicked it all off for you and, and Cinestate at the time bone tomahawk which i remember uh i i don't even think i saw a trailer to it i literally just saw enough people tweeting about it that i went okay kurt russell he's got a big beard it's a western i gotta fucking watch this movie and when i watched it it's one of the only movies the second the credits started rolling i just went to the menu and hit play again i had to watch it again right after but my (laughs) my my question about it is you obviously, and, and you've talked about this and S. Craig Zoller's talked about this. You put a lot on the line for Bone Tomahawk. You know, you were obviously taking a lot of loans from, from, from what you've said. What made you have so much faith, not only in that script, but in S. Craig Zoller? Because obviously he was a, a talented writer at the time. He had put out novels and stuff, but he hadn't directed anything. He hadn't directed a feature. What made you have so much faith that you were like, I'm putting it all on the line for this movie? So I signed Craig as his manager back in 2008 or nine. I was, uh, you know, I'd started my own company at that point. And Zoller was an interesting guy. He told his agent at the time, he said, any manager who's called, uh, I'll give them 15 minutes with me on the phone. So set, set the calls back to back, 15 minutes each, one after another. So I think 22 of us had called. So for like... <laughs> However many hours he got on the phone and the way it's been explained to me is most people got on the phone and spent the 15 minutes talking about all the other people they represent and them, them, them. I get on the phone, barely even introduce myself and just started going into a project meeting with him. I had read every script he'd ever written and I just started rambling off the checklist of everything I was going to do on every script. And so I took a different approach. And at the end of the call, I kind of kind of lied to him. I said, hey, I'm going to be in New York in you know two days. Uh, you want to have dinner? And he was like, sure. So I booked a plane ticket, flew to New York and signed him. Um, and it was, you know, it was a it was a perfect match because I needed a I needed a director, a writer director that I could stake my career on. And he needed a producer manager who was willing to essentially sell their soul to get his movies made because he will not compromise Mm -hmm. for better or worse. And it drives me bananas. I have, (laughs) I have half, half of my hair is gray because of, of life and half of my hair is gray because of Craig Zoller, but I wouldn't, I I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, He's just so uncompromising in, in the best way possible. And that's the deal I signed up for. So when it was time for him to make bone Tomahawk, we had it financed twice. 
Mm-hmm. Once by Mark Cuban. Oh, at, oh wow. Shit. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. His company, 2929, was going to finance the movie. Uh, there was a really interesting situation. We had a we we had pre-production starting on a Monday in Utah of all places. Mm-hmm. And one of the actors uh, had to go back to a TV show, so he had a hard out. The other actor had a, a, a hard in because he promised his wife that he would drop the kid off at, uh, he would be there for the first day of kindergarten. Okay, I'm a dad, I get it, it's cool. So we got in, we got in a squeeze and then both actors dropped out. Mm-hmm. So Kurt, Kurt's manager called me and said, you've got 30 to 60 days maximum to figure this out. Kurt's been on, on the movie for years. You haven't been able to get it made. Mark Cuban, you know, fell off, so on and so forth. So I called up my mortgage lender, took out a loan on my house. I called up a bank, took out a loan. I couldn't really repay without, you know, basically liquidating my whole life (laughs) and signed the two deals and went and shot the movie. And what I did was I took a, I had the, the still photographer take a photo of Kurt Russell in his costume with his hat uh, and on a horse. Mm-hmm. And I took that photo around uh, on the days off of shooting to the various distributors. And I ultimately sold the movie for, you know, more than we made it for. And the rest was history. And, you know, I saved my house. Um but you, your question was, how did I know to back Zoller? Yeah, to have You have a gut. Like, you have a gut mm-hmm. instinct as a producer. Your job as a producer is to identify great scripts, great filmmakers, and great actors. And then create a safe space for them to create something as creatively unfiltered as possible while fending off the vultures from the studios and things like that. So by making the movie independently, as I have done with him three, essentially three times now, mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll do it again this year for a fourth. Nice. Um, you know, I have, I've, I've, I've created enough financial space to give him complete creative control. And then he's able to do what he does best. It wouldn't exist otherwise. He, 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 would, he would quit being a director and just become a novelist and a comic designer and a musician and all the other things that he's interested in. And he would stop directing if I couldn't give him the space to do what he needs to do. So right. he's, he, he took a couple of years off after dragged and then COVID happened. So, you know, bad timing there, but, uh, but you know he's ready to get back on set, and we're we're figuring it out right now. That's good to hear. D- do you realize you are the guy that every artist dreams of having come into their life? Like you, you, S. Craig Zoller exists at the level he does because a guy came in and said, almost like wrapped his ar- your arms around him, and you're like, "I'll protect you. I'll protect your voice. I'll pay for this. I'll put my house on the line." Like that's what every artist dreams of, and it's amazing because S. Craig Zoller. I mean. I I had not heard his name before Bone Tomahawk. And again, I, I, I ended up reading some of his novels and stuff. But 
the fact that you gave him that platform and he now has this career and he has these three movies it's just incredible. I mean, his movies are like a drug to me. Like I'm, I'm jonesing for a fourth one. Like I'm kind of pissed. There's not a fourth one that's coming out. <laughs> I'm sick of rewatching these movies. <laughs> Can you imagine how fast my career would have gone or how successful I could have been if I was just a liberal? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We, we talk about that all the time for ourselves. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about at this point, just like lying and having some. <laughs> Of like re re-imaging. I'm like, I'm suddenly a liberal. I hate conservatives. Yeah. I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pull a Taylor Swift and uh and come yeah, there out you go. There and you be go. like, yeah, no, I I uh I changed my mind. I've had a I've had an awakening. <laughs> um no, it's 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 great. And and uh, and honestly, uh if you look at um you know the the movies beyond Zoller, whether it's run hide fight, uh mm-hmm. Sparrow Creek with Henry Dunham directing, which, which is um, great. Great. Yeah. I mean, how, how, who, who in their right mind lets a director shoot a movie in the dark? Uh, yeah. yeah that whole you, movie. You know, Spar- yeah. Sparrow Creek, the whole movie yep. is literally yeah. pitch black. Mm-hmm. And then with run, hide, fight, it's like who, who puts their whole company on the line and, you know, scrapes the money together and then lets, the director and the DP, we had an amazing DP on Run, Hide, Fight named Darren Moran. Everybody hire this guy. Go, go get him. Um, who, who lets them shoot that movie uh, on, on a dolly? They mm-hmm. shot the whole movie on a dolly. Mm-hmm. Like The obvious thing to do there is handheld, yeah. but they were, they were smart about it. They said, if we do it handheld, we're going to look like a, 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 an exploitation action flick. Interesting. I said, great, go do it. I said, I don't, I don't know what it'll look like, but go for it. You like it? Great. You're going to stake your career on it? Great. Let's go. So that's the mentality. And, you know, it's worked out well for me. The, the, the downside of it is the first time I'm wrong, it, it all becomes a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> I, just haven't, I just haven't been wrong yet. <laughs> well, yeah, your instincts have been good so far. And uh, to go back to Run, uh, run Hide Fight, I was going to ask uh, – it was written and directed by uh, Kyle Rankin, uh, I believe. Yes. I, I saw him doing an interview on uh, Daily Wire with you. He's an interesting guy because I had heard his name before, and I, I had to look him up to realize, oh, shit, this guy was one of the winners of uh, Project Greenlight season uh, two, I think. Um, how did he come into your radar, and how did that script come into your radar? Kyle is one of the best humans I've ever worked with. He has a heart of gold he is the most thoughtful individual. Um, you know, I think over time he will, um, uh, you know, be an incredible success and I've already, uh, uh, paid him to write his next script. So, That's great uh, we're going to keep this train rolling, but, um, but, but basically the, but basically the, um, the, the, the interesting thing is, um, uh, he was doing all of his own producing. So he, he, no one was helping him. And, and, and so he was, you know, off, off in the middle of nowhere trying to make these movies uh, after project green light. So he finally just said, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to write something solely for me. Just uh, I'm not going to try to time the market. I'm going to write something that's quintessentially my ethos. And so that's how run, hide fight came to be. Now, the representatives in his life took the script out and they almost sold it to a major studio. Mm-hmm. 
And then Parkland happened right in the middle of the studio engaging. So they backed out. And that's always when I get the call. (laughs) So I get the call. Hey, Dallas, we've got this great script. I absolutely love it. I don't, I don't know what to do with it. I, I don't know how to, you know, how do you make it today? I don't know. But like, this is just incredible. And you should read it. I read it, called him back the next day. I said, let's shoot it as is. I, I literally have zero notes. Let's go. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put this together. Everything, everything gets pretty personal for me. Um, everything, every movie I make, there's a, there's a personal reason to do it, whether it's supporting a director, whether it's, you know, something personal in my life, like losing my parents, there's always a reason for me. Um, I don't know how good I would be at someone calling me up and saying, Hey, I've got this, you know, uh, sci-fi movie. I need a producer, you know, are you available? I don't know how good I would be at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the case of run, hide fight, I had to make the movie just, just had to. And mm-hmm. so I worked on it and worked on it and was told no by everyone over and over and over and over again. And finally I figured it out to Thomas Jane's credit. Uh, he had seen some of the Zoller movies, really, really admired them. Mm. He had read about me, admired some of the things I was saying in the press. That's not a surprise, and, by and, the way. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas and, and, Jane, not a surprise. Yeah. And, and, and so when we offered him the movie, uh, he said, yeah, um, you know, get me on the phone with Kyle, but get me on the phone with Dallas too. Uh, and that, that doesn't always happen. So I, 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 you know, Kyle went over, met him. I went over, met him. We, we solidified the situation and, you know, off to the races. And now Thomas and I, and he's got an amazing producer, Courtney Penn. We've been trading scripts back and forth and trying to figure out what to do next. That's awesome to hear. That's, uh, that's, that's another thing I'll, I'll kind of ask you before we wrap things up is you've mentioned, obviously, these relationships you have, you know, you're going to work with Craig again and, uh, and uh, Kyle Rankin and everyone. Are, are there any specific projects coming up on the horizon that, that you want to talk about that people should be on the lookout for? Sure. So we have two more movies coming out this year alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a really cool horror film uh, that is called The Seventh Day, mm-hmm. starring Guy Pierce. Uh, Vadir Derbez nice. and uh, Keith David and uh, Stephen Lang, terrific uh, script, and um, that will be coming out on VOD in March, and then it will be, I believe, on Netflix by May or June. Sweet. So they, uh, we did a, we did a really awesome deal uh, through our sales agents at Voltage. They took great care of us, and then the other movie we have is Jason Sudeikis, Evangeline Lilly. Mike Coulter, Shea Wiggum, uh, Jeremy Bob, and Michael Paré. Um, and it's called Till Death. Mm-hmm. And it comes out in August or September. Uh, and it's just awesome. It's like a sort of a throwback to Blood Simple and those type of movies. It's awesome. written by the guys who made a movie in Israel a couple of years ago called Big Bad Wolves and oh, directed by... Yeah, and directed by one of them, they um, they ultimately got two movies greenlit at the same time, and split up to do one each. So mm. uh, we ended up uh, making uh, Till Death with our own Cashelis, and um, 
I'm so proud of the movie. It's just awesome. And Sudeikis and Evangeline and all the people in it are just great. So those are coming out. And then I think uh, whether it's, um, you know, a couple of these other movies, you know, we've developed a lot of new scripts, but you're, you're going to see me make another Western this year for sure. That, that is, Hell yeah. that, that is going to happen. And uh, it'll, it'll be written by Zoller. Uh, Ooh, all right. He, he's, he's got a couple of them, whether he directs this one or another one or something else is to be determined, but you'll see Zoller back in the saddle on set this year. And you will see me produce at least one Western uh, probably written by Craig. So it's nice. going to be a wild ride. And, and um, I'm really proud of bonfire legend. I'm obviously having a blast on, on social media, on Instagram uh, kind of, you know, laying down the ethos of the company and um you know it's quintessentially me and i'm really proud of it and i think we're gonna have a good run here i'm excited for all those since you you actually uh i I thought of one curveball question i gotta ask you because you you mentioned westerns again okay so we we also rewatched uh bone tomahawk again probably like my hundredth time watching it um my favorite character in the movie is played by none other than Matthew Fox, which is where we got the namesake for our podcast because we're huge Lost fans, Man of Science, Man of Faith. Yeah, that was from. Oh, uh, sweet. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, that's the last movie I saw him, and he has some of the best lines. Uh, what does he say? Smart men don't get married. Smart men don't get married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just great in it. Um, but what the hell, man? Where's Matthew Fox? He hasn't been yeah. in anything since Bone Tomahawk. Is he okay? He's not- you, he's he's great um good, good. i te- I, te- I text with him every couple of y- every year or two um uh-huh. i'm gonna get him back on set good you know good. It's, it's 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 a it's a challenge because you know these actors they 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 work so hard on their flagship tv show right mm-hmm. and they're and they're paid so well and then it's it's you know it has to be great material to get them to come out um and and work again mm-hmm. and you know, he has a great family. He's got a really private, happy life. Good. Um, he's got land in Montana or Wyoming that doesn't even have a road to get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to you got to fly in. I mean, it's he, he really has, uh, you know, a, a, a really great life. So for him to, to leave all that behind and his kids are, you know, they're still in, in, in his house. Um, and so I really respect that commitment to his family and his privacy and things like that but he he it it is it is a it's a shame that he is not making more movies and i will i will keep that on on my to-do list for sure good all all i wanted to know was that he was just kicking back on a ranch somewhere he 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 is he is shooting he is shooting an elk probably right now Uh, that's all i wanted to hear that puts my mind at ease good yeah <laughs> dallas thank you so much for doing this today we really appreciate you taking the time to uh to chat with us it's been a huge inspiration talking to you as well as just watching these movies and kind of feeling like artists like us you know have we're chance. <laughs> we, we have a chance in that we're somewhat represented yeah well i i love your show as well i, I listen to it all the time and 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 i just think it's great uh that you guys are you know, willing to say what's on your mind and not worry so much about the, you know, PC police and the, the moral outrage and all the bullshit in the world. So, um, you know, let's keep it going. And, and, and uh, you know, we, we appreciate the support. Of course. Yeah. Anytime you can come back on, just let us know when you have something to promote. Great. All right. Thank you, Dallas. 
All right. Bye, guys. All right. See you later. Bye. This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.